Chapter Two: The Hard Business Case for Brand. How brand building magnifies the value of a great product and company. Outside of the startup world, companies have long understood the commercial value of a strong brand. Kantar, one of the world's largest market research companies, has tracked and measured brand value for many years. Their initiative, Brand Z, is the world's largest ongoing brand equity study. All up, their data covers 18,000 brands across 512 categories in 50 markets. One of the key things Brand Z does is track the stock market performance of companies with powerful brands, comparing them to common indexes like the S&P 500. Between 2007 and 2019, the S&P 500 grew 128% in value. That gives us a pretty good view of the performance of good companies in general. Brandsy's general index of strong brands grew 196% over the same period, an indicator that having a strong brand creates a significant advantage when it comes to growing market capitalization. But their index of the most powerful brands grew a whopping 317%. Their performance much more than doubled that of the S&P 500. Importantly, the data shows that strong brands not only outperform in periods of economic growth, but are also more resilient during periods of economic contraction, like recessions and pandemics. When markets turn, strong and powerful brands lose less value and bounce back out of those downturns much faster. Brandsy's analysis makes an important point: if you're a well-run company making a good product, like those in the S&P 500. Then having a strong brand on top gives you a massive advantage when it comes to creating market value. While listing on a stock market may be a distant or even non-existent goal for your startup, achieving the highest possible valuation on exit is normally core to the mission. Whether you're floating or negotiating an exit, market value is what will determine the worth of what you've built. Would you rather exit for 128 million or 317 million? Investing in brand may seem like a bit of a chore, but it could very well be what determines whether or not you end up with a unicorn. Building a great brand is for companies who want to be the best. If you're okay with being okay, then that's completely okay. You can stop reading here. Chase that S&P 500 average. Exit for a perfectly respectable value. You can leave all this brand building stuff to the other businesses who are aiming higher. So how does a brand create all that extra value? There are two things that almost all companies are working to do. One, grow their top-line revenue and market share as rapidly as possible. Two, convert that top-line revenue into net profit as efficiently as possible. Very big, very profitable companies are worth more at exit than companies that are small or unprofitable. And having a strong brand makes these two critical jobs much easier. Kantar's work has shown that companies with strong brands outperform those with weaker brands in two key ways. Firstly, they attract more customers more easily, creating future demand, boosting sales and market share growth, and lowering the cost of acquisition. Strong brands are able to capture around three times the sales volumes of ordinary brands. Customers simply find it easier to trust and buy from brands that they're familiar with and that they like. Secondly, they convince customers to spend more, 
justifying higher prices, greater overall spend, lifetime value, and higher profitability. One of the lesser-known effects of strong brands is that customers are willing to pay more for them. They have greater pricing power. That is, they're able to raise prices or charge more than their competitors and still attract and retain customers. Strong brands command an average price premium 13% higher than weaker alternatives. This may not sound like a big number, but the maths is simple. If we increase our sales volumes by 13%, some of that new revenue falls to the bottom line. The rest goes into the cost of goods, sales, customer support, and so on. If we increase our price by 13%, most of that new revenue falls straight to the bottom line, which usually means a big increase in profitability. For this reason, Kantar found that strong brands achieve 31% more operating profit as a proportion of revenue. In terms of valuing a company, legendary investor Warren Buffett looks first at a company's pricing power. The single most important decision in evaluating a business, he says, is pricing power. If you've got the power to raise prices without losing business to a competitor, you've got a very good business. And if you have to have a prayer session before raising your price, then you've got a terrible business. Together, these effects of a strong brand add up to a much greater likelihood of business growth. Kantar found that strong brands are far more likely to grow their market share in the year ahead. They have four times greater odds than weak brands have of growing. Why do strong brands have these effects? What's the difference between a strong brand and a weak one? Strong brands are those who've made themselves more familiar and more meaningful than their competitors, especially among those customers who aren't ready to buy just yet. When it comes to brands, familiarity doesn't breed contempt. It breeds content. People are much more comfortable buying from companies that they're familiar with, companies they've heard of before and that they've heard of recently. Just as we feel safer around people we're familiar with, we feel safer buying from companies we're familiar with. Familiarity creates trust. Research shows that if it's a choice between buying a product we know little about from a company we're very familiar with, or buying a product from a company we're less familiar with but who've given us lots of information about the product, people will generally choose the product from the more familiar company. It might seem counterintuitive at first, but when it comes to purchase decisions, brand familiarity trumps product information. This is why companies spend time and money making themselves well-known, driving awareness of their brand as high as possible, so that as many people as possible feel familiar with them. Strong brands are also more meaningful. What do I mean by this? I really just mean that people like them more. They feel they have something in common with them, that there's a rapport between them. Coke and Pepsi both have near-universal awareness. We all know both of them, but the vast majority of us like Coke a bit more. Not because we can taste the difference, nobody can in blind taste tests, but because we feel more of a meaningful connection, a bond with Coke. AF Drinks, the alcohol-free beverage company we work with, has quickly become the leader in the New Zealand alcohol-free adult drinks category. Within a year, AF was outselling Seedlip, the world's market leader in the non-alcoholic spirits space. Why? Because AF quickly built familiarity through distinctive advertising and a push for large-scale early distribution. 
In addition, they built meaningfulness by owning the conversation around changing drinking habits through podcasts and content that showcased well-known people who'd gone alcohol-free. Content that gets people to start thinking differently about their relationship with alcohol, creating future demand. Brands create these meaningful connections in all kinds of different ways, which we'll explore in detail in Chapter 4. The clear outtake is that those more meaningful brands are able to increase their sales faster and retain their customers better than their competition. Building a strong brand creates a competitive advantage. And although you may not have much competition to defend against if you're at a very early stage, beginning to build that competitive advantage by building up familiarity and meaningfulness will make life much easier for your company as you move forward. Your brand is a moat that protects you from future competition. When investors talk about competitive moats, they're talking about things that insulate you from competitive threats. Like a moat around a castle, they make it more difficult for others to attack you. Moats can be things like IP. If your technology is protected with a patent, it makes it harder for others to copy your product and scoop up your customers. Or things like network effects. If you're a successful online marketplace like eBay or Airbnb, where buyers can find the most sellers and vice versa, a new player would need to simultaneously attract away a significant amount of both your buyers and sellers, which is extremely difficult. Investors love moats because they make investment less risky. In a hyper-competitive global marketplace, investors aren't just investing in a good idea, they're betting against the possibility that someone else will have the same idea or copy yours and take your customers away. In the early stages of a startup, the need for competitive moats is often overlooked by founders for the simple reason that competition is scarce. The whole point of a startup is to create a novel product that meets an unmet need or solves an unsolved problem. Most startups don't set out to solve a problem that's already being solved well by other companies. They look for problems that haven't been solved yet. So by definition, when they create an innovative product that solves such a problem, there's no competition to defend against. Here begins the honeymoon period of being the only game in town. Early customers don't choose you for your brand, they choose you for your ingenious product, which they can't get from anywhere else. The problem is, the honeymoon never lasts. As you grow, and especially if you're successful, Others take notice that there's value in the problem you're solving. The corporates you're disrupting come out with their versions of your product. Other young companies start to fish in your blue ocean, or you find that as you were developing your product, others had similar ideas independently at the same time, something that can seem unlikely but is extremely common. So you find yourself back in the busy competitive context that you thought you'd managed to avoid. Your feature set, previously completely unique, is suddenly superseded by a competitor who's copied what you've done and added a few things that make it even better. Your price, previously representing great value, suddenly seems high in the face of competitors who are charging 20% less. This means that if you're competing only on the basis of price or product features, you've effectively trained your customer base that the most important decision factors are price and product features. So when someone else brings out a newer or better feature set for a cheaper price, what do you think those customers are likely to do? 
This is where your brand provides a competitive moat. If your customers are with you because they like and trust you as a company more than the competition, they'll often stay with you despite you having a temporarily inferior product or a higher price. The great case in point is Apple. Apple is constantly assailed by competitors like Samsung who bring out new features and rationally superior and cheaper products. But the affinity that Apple's customers have for their brand means they're happy to wait and pay more for Apple's products. Yes, that's irrational. But there's enormous power in irrationality. You're better off if your customers choose you not for rational reasons, but for irrational reasons. Competitors can easily study, copy, and improve on the rational reasons your customers choose you. Tearing away customers who choose you for irrational reasons is much more difficult. Building a brand can seem unimportant in the early stages of a company because all the feedback you're getting from the market is that customers are choosing you for your unique and innovative product. Other companies might need brand, but you don't. You've done the much smarter thing of creating a truly better product. But your product advantage rarely lasts for long. Your job as a founder isn't only to create a product and drive early growth. It's also to build a company that's able to defend itself against future competition who will inevitably create products that solve the same problem you're solving. Sometimes they'll be better, sometimes they'll be cheaper, sometimes they'll be both, but always they'll arrive. When they do, you'll be in one of two places. One, you've created a great product but neglected to invest in your brand. Your customers love your product, but don't feel any real affinity or loyalty to you as a company beyond that product. So they begin to switch away. Starting to focus on brand after competition has heated up is perilous because it takes time and money to build a brand and create future demand. It's very expensive to do quickly, and when the competition appears and revenue is threatened, it's very difficult to find money to invest heavily in brand. So you find yourself in the difficult tailspin of trying to rework your product and pricing to be more competitive, while also making up for lost time on building a brand that your customers care about. Or, two, you've created a great product and you've invested in building a strong brand and future demand along the way. Your customers love your product and they also feel an affinity and loyalty to you as a company beyond that product. Because you've invested in brand prior to competition coming along, your customers are more likely to stay with you and accept a higher price or an older set of features while you update yours. And new customers entering the market are more likely to be familiar with you and gravitate toward you. Life is much harder for the competition and much easier for you. A great example of this is Simplicity KiwiSaver, a New Zealand superannuation brand and product that we helped to create and launch in 2015. Simplicity operates on a not-for-profit business model, meaning they could charge much lower fees than other providers. We also developed an innovative UI that showed members how much money they'd have at retirement and how that would change if they switched to a growth fund or increased their contribution amount. Once Simplicity launched, the market began to react. They copied our UI, and they reduced their fees to be similar to or cheaper than Simplicity. But Simplicity had also invested in a great brand, one that was made very familiar through consistent advertising and PR, and one that was made very meaningful through strong brand identity design and storytelling. 
After six years in market, Simplicity remains one of New Zealand's fastest-growing KiwiSaver providers, with over 100,000 customers and more than $4 billion in funds under management. In 2021, they were given the coveted designation as one of New Zealand's six default providers by the Financial Markets Authority, meaning that they'll receive a significant share of future new KiwiSaver members by default. Remember the Brand Z study? That looked at mostly larger and more mature brands, 18,000 of them, and categories, 512 of them. In those categories, competition is rife. There are usually numerous brands duking it out with similar products at similar prices. The companies with strong brands outperform the others because they're not only competing on the basis of product and price. They have also built a brand that attracts and retains customers despite their product being easily substitutable with others. Your market conditions may be favourable right now, but they almost certainly won't be forever. Your job as a founder is to anticipate this change, plan for it, and be in a position to defend against it. Building a strong brand before you need it is one of the most reliable ways to do this. TLDR Chapter 2. Well-run companies with great products and strong brands experience vastly superior commercial performance to well-run companies with great products and weak brands. Strong brands outperform the stock market, grow faster, and are more profitable. This is because they've built up familiarity for their brand and meaningfulness to their customers. Purchase intent rises significantly as brands become more familiar and meaningful. The need to build a brand can seem unnecessary for early-stage startups, especially those with a novel product and no direct competition. However, the competitive environment and general market conditions almost always become more challenging in the mid-term. At that point, companies who have invested in a strong brand are far more insulated from those more challenging conditions and far more likely to continue growing and retaining customers.